Tonight, her parents gave her away when she was only six years old. In a moment, Claire will tell you why. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. On September 1st, 1939, Claire was looking forward to her first year of school as a kindergarten student. She lived with her parents in Brussels, Belgium. Nearby in Poland, the storm clouds of World War were breaking out. In less than a year, those clouds and that war would come to Brussels, Belgium. Claire never forgot that day. As she described it, she went out on her balcony to see what was causing all the noise outside. And there she saw endless rows of German soldiers marching, followed by tanks. At that moment, my world changed forever, she said. Soon Claire was required to wear a Jewish star. Then she was forbidden to attend school. And finally, a decision that would impact her entire life. Her parents went into hiding. They gave Claire away to an elderly couple who were neighbors. Listen now to Claire tell you her incredible story in her own words. It's a story of courage, commitment, and love. Uh, as I said, I was born in Brussels, Belgium uh, in 1935. And uh, my mother and my father lived in an apartment above a bakery. And uh, we had a very nice life. We had, the family got together for the holidays. We used to go out, we used to go to the park, and we really were very close. We had no problem. Everybody in Brussels treated us wonderfully. Uh, my dad had a nice business, and people from Brussels would come to him to have their clothes made. We just were like everybody else. And then <clears throat> in 1940, uh, we, as a child, you don't know what's going on. I was five years old and uh, we heard noises. So we opened the windows and we looked outside and we saw tanks and uh, we heard rumbling and we heard the uh, soldiers marching down the street and I mean it was loud and from that day my life changed totally from that particular day at the age of five I was going to kindergarten and uh, I had a lot of friends and everybody I mean it was just as if I was like everyone else but then uh, uh, within a short while, we were asked to wear Jewish stars on our clothes. We were told that uh, every Jew had to wear a star, and I'm so sorry because I did have pictures of that. And for some reason, that those particular pictures I don't have anymore. I don't know how long it's been those pictures are gone. Since I lost everyone and everything during the war, this is truly the only thing I have that wherever I went, whatever happened to me, this always stayed with me. But this is it, nothing else with the pictures. 
this was a picture of my dad. His name was Nathan, and uh, I think he was maybe two or three years. It was about two or three years from the time that this picture was taken. So why don't I tell you something about my father? From what I understand, my father was in the underground in Brussels. <coughs> and what they would do is they would smuggle arms to the Allies. And um, he, didn't, he thought nothing would ever happen to him. He said he'll go on working as he did before. And uh, he really did not think that he should fear uh, the future. So unfortunately, he was going to a client one day on a streetcar in Brussels, and they stopped, the Gestapo stopped the streetcar and checked everybody's uh, identification. They took my father off their streetcar, and uh, he was deported to Auschwitz and interrogated. And uh, in case you wonder, how do I know all this? I do have a cousin who survived the Holocaust, and she was in Auschwitz. And she could tell when my father had been interrogated. And uh, slowly, she uh, realized that he was not coming out anymore because they would allow him to go out in the yard for a short period of time, and then they would interrogate him again. So finally, um, she never, she didn't see him again. So she knew that they probably, uh, he was tortured too. He just did not survive. Uh, I'm going to uh, be perfectly frank with you. My, my mom and dad, at the time of the war, were separated. They did not live together. So uh, my, if my mother had to go out, she had these neighbors who watched me. So uh, they really were so wonderful. And for me, they were my grandparents. I really didn't know, think of them as anything else. <clears throat> what I have here, if you notice, there are a few letters. They're hard to read, but I can read them. They're written in French. And these were letters written to me by the people who saved me during the war. The name of the people were Lambert and uh, Leah, and the last name was S-A-B-A-U-X, Sabu. They were wonderful elderly people. They had been musicians. And during the war, they, things were getting hard already. And I remember that Lambert Sabu would get up early in the morning, maybe four or five, <clears throat> and he would go and start the furnaces in office buildings. And uh, then from there in the afternoon, he would help people move furniture on wheelbarrows. And then in the evening, he would go to one of the cafes and play the drums. This is how he, uh, the life that I remember during the war, that the people who saved my life, and his wife played the piano. She had been a concert musician. As I said, they were elderly people already, but they risked their life to save mine. And they did teach me how to play the piano. And uh, at the beginning of the war, they would even take me to the cafe and I would sit and uh, listen to him play and uh, slowly I uh, stopped going and uh, I was forbidden to go to school 
I was six years old at the time, and from the time I was six years old until uh, 1945, I did not get a, any education at all. Um, one of the teachers tried to come to my house at first, but she feared for her life. And another time they tried to get me to go to another school under an assumed name. And the principal uh, warned the people that I lived with. They said, look, we don't want to um, worry you, but we have to make sure that you realize that if this child happens to be Jewish, the Gestapo will come and take her away. So they called in the middle of the day and gave a phony excuse, and they said that uh, my mother had come to pick me up and I would be returning with her. So uh, they didn't want to take the chance of having me go to school. And uh, so during the whole war, um, they, I would a couple of times I even went to church. Uh, I learned my prayers in French. And uh, they really, really were wonderful people. Um, they, when the Gestapo was in the area, because I don't know if you were aware, but they would go door to door. And if they found any Jewish people hiding or anything, they would pull them out and drag them away. And a couple of times uh, they heard that they were in the area. So they sneaked me out of the house and took me to another town. Uh, one in particular was called Liege, L-I-E-G-E. And I would stay at, it was more like a, um, a suburb while Brussels was more like a city. And so they felt that I was safer there. And then when they knew that the Gestapo was gone, they would bring me back. And one time, as a matter of fact, uh, they heard the Gestapo at the door, knocking. And uh, she fumbled with her keys and said, I, I can't open the door, I just can't open the door. And they said that they would be back. And they never did come back because I am sure I wouldn't be here to tell you my story had they come back. I would say quite a few times we could hear the bombs up the street, down the street, wake up and find homes destroyed. <clears throat> but through, through it all, <clears throat> these people would still keep me safe and they would uh, do whatever they could to make sure that nothing would happen to me. This is one of the last pictures I took when I was going to school. This was taken in 1941 because I can't see the 41 in the back and I'm the one with the pants. Remember I told you that my dad used to make clothes. I was so embarrassed. All the children were wearing little dresses and my father did not want me to be cold. So I think I was the first girl wearing pants in uh, Belgium. And there was no problem. At that time, I was accepted just as all the other children. Here's another picture of me in a park. And there's a, uh, I did get a chance to go back to Belgium uh, a few years back, and the park is still there. And I recognized it right away. I even recognized the home where I lived with my mother. I recognized so much, and it was still there. 
Now, a few years ago, I went to the place where my husband and I went on our honeymoon. That place is gone. But the place where I lived when I was a baby, that place is still there. But, of course, that's America, right? <laughs> now I'm going to tell you a story about the third cousin. This is Nina. And Nina survived the Holocaust. But she was taken to Auschwitz. She was already in close to 21 and uh, when they took her away. And she told me the story prior to the time that she was taken away. Uh, she told me that she, of course, could not get a job. She, being Jewish, she was forbidden to work. And she refused to stay home and do nothing while she knew the whole family was uh, involved in the underground. So she said, either you let me do something, or else I might as well turn myself in, because I'm just not going to stay home. So they allowed her to smuggle arms in the basket that she would, she would ride a bicycle and smuggle arms. And she would put like bread and uh, over it, she would put like a towel, uh, making people believe that she was just buying food and she told me that someone turned her in. So she was stopped and she was taken to Auschwitz as well. And she's the one who told me that she would see my father and he was the one that gave her hope to survive. I want to tell you something about my cousin Betty. As, you, as I mentioned to you, I am not bitter. I do not hate, but she's bitter and she hates and she cannot understand why I don't. She said after what we've been through and everything else, I said, Betty, look at what you got now. You have a beautiful family, you have children. You live in a country that is more or less in peace right now. You have so much to be thankful for. Don't be bitter. So she said, you know, you're right and that we have been corresponding since. And uh, it, it is a wonderful thing to know that there's someone out there that has gone through what you've gone through and that you still have this closeness with. But I will say that after the war, children who survived the war and who lived with people who saved their lives as I did, if they happen to have had a surviving relative, they, the relative, had uh, the right to, uh, to go to court and get these children with the family. And this is what happened with me, is that my uh, aunt, my cousin was in concentration camp, my aunt was hiding, and she survived, and so did my uncle. So after the war, they brought these beautiful people who took care of me to court. And uh, they said that they, it was only right for me to go back to live with my family. They decided during this entire procedure they would send me to a camp, a children's camp. And uh, I sent a letter to the people that I lived with during the war. And the address is on the cover here, it's 136. Mullen Street, and in French it would be Rue du Moulin. And the camp I was 
uh, staying at was Village Joanna. So this is on the uh, outside of the car. And on the inside, the, uh, it doesn't say the year, but it does say so on the outside. And it was written July 20th, and I'm translating it from the French. My dear Claire, thank you so much for the card you sent. But the reason I wasn't able to answer is that I've been in bed for 15 days. I really was so sick. During the night of uh, July 4th, I had a, a, an attack and I almost passed away. If it wasn't that the doctor came immediately, I don't think I would have been here today. Please come to see me when you return because you really almost were unable to ever see me again. Love and kisses, Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, during the war, I called them Grandma and Grandpa, and as far as they were concerned, I was their grandchild. So this is a definite document as far as the proof that I lived in Brussels during that period of time. <coughs> Here again is a picture of my cousin Nina, the one that was in concentration camp. And she wrote on it, to my dear cousin Claire, from your cousin Nina. And this was sent to me in 1951. As I mentioned to you, the life I had in Brussels was hard. Uh, we lived pretty much in poverty. Uh, I lost both my mother and father. Uh, the names I was called and the names I heard from people was worse than what you would call an animal. It was so awful. But yet, because I lived with people who were so caring, I, I cannot forget the love that I received from them. And to end my story, I would say that the hurt I received as much as I want to repeat, as hard as it was for a child during the war. The consequences of the war can be more tragic for a child than living through it. And uh, as far as tolerance is concerned, I would say that if we treat each other with respect, regardless of religion and regardless of uh, our past, that this would really be such a great world to live in. Gary and I would like to dedicate tonight's story to Leah and Lambert Sabu, the elderly neighbors willing to risk their lives to save Claire. As you heard Claire tell you, they loved her as if she were their own granddaughter. Their love and courage and commitment are a shining example of what we can be if we hope to make the world a better place. And the Talmud says that anyone who saves one human life saves an entire people. That is true. I tell you what, uh, it's quite a story. Uh, Claire is a, a dear friend of ours, and I would consider her to be a, a member of our family. 
Um, and I know we could never imagine what she had to go through growing up in, in Brussels during that time. I don't think any of us could. And while her story is one of loss, it's also a story of commitment, courage, and love. Uh, I just love the story. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, it just it shows uh, human spirit and the, the will to live and survive and, and that there are truly are kind people out there that uh, are giving of themselves to, to help people in, in these uh, hard times. Once again, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this was an incredible story.